this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We talked about some of the commissions God gave us last week in Matthew 28, uh, Mark 16, and Luke 24. We're going to look at another one today in, in John chapter 20. Now, we've been commissioned by Jesus to advance and multiply the kingdom of God right here on earth. Right here on earth today. So, you know, throughout this morning, you've heard us talk about grace. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit, how God's commissioned us to go with grace. Get here and get in the Word here with me, okay? I believe God's going to touch your heart today and give you a good idea of what grace really is. John 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Now, the reason they feared the Jews right there, you've got to go back just a couple days, and they had just crucified Jesus. So they were in fear, and here Jesus shows up and says, Peace, fellas. Verse 20. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus shows up, says, Peace, and he puts his hands out and shows them. And right here, guys, you begin to see that Jesus dispels fear. I mean, that's what Jesus does. When we hang out with him, guys, he'll get rid of all our fears, just like he did with them. Verse 20, so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, the word sent right there means to commission. It means to set apart for a special service, to equip and dispatch one with full backing of the one who's sending us with authority. So you know what he's telling us here? When Jesus sends us everything that he had as far as his authority, he's equipped me and you to do it. He's saying, here, this is what you got to do. Now, God has chosen to use people right here on earth to impact the earth. God doesn't have plan B. In order for the gospel to go around the world right now, He's using disciples of Christ, believers like me and you. And so he's commissioned us. Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, he's telling us right there to preach salvation, but he's also saying... There is a reality of damnation too. That humanity will either spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. And forgiveness, guys, is dependent entirely on the acceptance of, of, or rejection of Jesus. Every one of us. So we either accept our forgiveness through Jesus or we reject it. Now when he tells us right here to go, I believe he's telling us, to go with grace. Because the commission of grace is what forgiveness is. And I believe the Lord's wanting every one of us to know, but also to tell others, God will forgive you. God loves you so much. Even while you were a sinner, He still loved you so much. And so He's commissioned each one of us to go with grace. Now to go with grace, guys, we got to understand what grace is and what grace isn't. And just briefly, I'll tell you what grace isn't. Grace isn't a law to sin or a license to sin, okay? 
A lot of people have said that. You know what? Under the New Testament, we can live however we want, and we've been grace. That's not what grace is for, okay? What is grace? Well, the word grace itself means undeserved favor, and so much more than that. The acronym for grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Now, when we talk about the grace of God, I don't deserve it. I can't buy it, but I sure can't live without it. And so today, if we're commissioned to go with grace, I want us to learn what grace really is for each one of us. Now, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, begin with me in verse 1. And you'll notice in here how many times he refers to you, okay, over and over. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses of sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, whom among also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So he's telling us here that he's made us all alive because every one of us were sinners. We walked in sin. That's what described our life, okay? Verse 4. But God, who was rich in mercy and compassion, because of his great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, even when I was walking in sin, he still loved me. He still loved you, okay? And then he said, and he's made us alive together with Christ. He's made us alive together with Christ. I want you to note in verse 5 and 6, there's three togethers. The first one, he's made us alive together with Christ. That's in his fellowship with him. That's with his union with him. And when we read this, guys, it's even in his resurrection. We've been raised up together with Christ. He wants us to live in union and fellowship with him, okay? It's not about being religious. It's about a relationship. So he's raised us up together in Christ Jesus. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We've ascended with him, but not only have we ascended him, in this present rule, we're with him right now. It's a partnership. It's not when we get to heaven, guys. And I'm not downplaying heaven. But if everything was totally about eternity in heaven, the minute we got born again, why wouldn't he get us out of here? But he wants us to be his hands. He wants us to be his feet right here on this earth. So he said, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to raise you up together with my son. And everything that he is, I'm going to bless you with. That way you can be witnesses to me. Verse number 7. That in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches. One says the limitless riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now it gives me a little bit of a, a sample there of another thing that grace is. Grace is the Lord's kindness and His goodness. And note there, He said, in Christ Jesus. It all takes place because I've made Jesus Lord and Savior of my life. It's not because I've done anything good. I cannot earn this. It's in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is the gift. And so listen, guys, what he's talking about here with grace, it has nothing to do with what I've done or haven't done. Many times as human beings, we have this thought, I've got to earn salvation. I've got to earn grace. And so we'll say things like this. If I would just quit cussing, if I would just go to church more, if I would just read my Bible more, if I would just pray more, and none of those things are wrong, but they are wrong when we think we become like Peter, and that's how we earn it. He said, by grace and through faith. Now listen to what he goes on to say. And that is not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Verse 9. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So you know what he's telling me and you? we got to take me out of the equation. Salvation has nothing to do with me except receiving Jesus. Everything with salvation is based on Jesus. Colossians 1.12 says that he has qualified us as partakers of the inheritance in life. Who's qualified us? Jesus has. Jesus has qualified each one of us. Now, the two words right there, by faith or by grace and through faith. By grace and through faith. Those are vital for me and you to understand, okay? It's by the grace of God through faith. Let me give you a little bit of how that may look. When you were born into this earth, what did you do to, to arrive on this thing called earth? Absolutely nothing. You didn't do nothing. And when you were given a name, what did you do to get that name? Absolutely nothing. My last name is Swan. Guess how I got that name? It wasn't because I got out of Pampers at the age of two. It wasn't because I did this good. This is the name that my father gave us. Well, see, that's the same with Jesus. He's qualified us, and when Father God sees us, it's not because of anything we've done. It's just because of Jesus. Now, here's a problem that happens to many of us as humans, and this is something that's happened to me numerous times. By grace through faith. If I'm not careful, even that thing through faith becomes an issue. I start worshiping my faith instead of worshiping God. And even with faith, if I'm not careful, it starts emphasizing my works again. What do I mean? How many have ever said this by faith? If I just keep confessing the word, and if I keep saying this, and if I keep... The... See, once again, you know what ultimately happens? We pull ourselves back into it. And we think it's all because of our faith. Now, our faith does play a part. So what is faith, guys? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when I read the Word of God, guys, right there, that's where my faith comes. And I look at the Word of God, and remember, it's God's Word. It's God's Word. So when I find certain scriptures, I can say this. I can be what God says I can be. I can have what God says I can have. And I can do what God says I can do. Because his word says so. So all I'm doing with my faith is I'm believing and I'm trusting that God will do precisely everything he said. So once again, God is the power plant. 
God is the electricity. You know what the switch is that gets that on? Faith. When I look and say, you know what? It has nothing to do with me. Everything that I have is through faith because I'm believing God. I'm going to keep believing God and I'm going to keep trusting God and I'm going to keep living for Him. Now here's what happens, guys. When we get out of, of the faith where we're believing and trusting God and we think it's all on us, there becomes a frustration. There becomes some conflict in my life. And when we're believing God and, and, and there's frustration, you know what it always says? You're looking to you again. You're looking to you. Now look over into Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 4. Let me tell you guys, this is some S-O-G-O-O-D good stuff right here. This is going to help us today. Let me give you an illustration of what this looks like. Back in, in April, our praise and worship leader resigns. And so the, 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 the hour after he resigns, guess what I do? I get on the phone and I'm calling every pastor that I know. I'm calling this church, I'm calling that church, I'm saying I need a praise and worship leader, I need a praise and worship leader. Two big churches, you know what they tell me? Good luck. Good luck. And I thought, oh my gosh. This goes on for five, six weeks, and I'm telling you guys, nothing is happening. It's not good, and guess what begins to rise up in me? Frustration. Conflict. One day I'm in here praying, and this is how the Lord does me, real, real quickly. This is what He does with me, how He works with me. He says to me, if you want man's results, quit look, keep looking to man. If you want my results, look to me. And so you know what the Lord was saying? I never did call you to be God Jr. I never did call you to figure everything out. I just called you to learn to trust me. My grace is sufficient if you'll allow me to be God. So you know what I did? I went and told Shelly, I said, you know what? No more phone calls. I'm not doing anything else. I'm turning it over to Father God. How many figured this out? It'll wear you out trying to be God. Man, that's a tough job. You know why? Because not one of us in here were created to be God. By grace, through faith. So this is what happened. I said, okay, Father God, I trust you. I ask you to go to work on my behalf. I ask you to take care of it. You know what? A whole day went by and nothing happened. Can you believe that? A week went by and nothing happened. Two weeks went by and nothing happened. And guess what? This boy started getting antsy. Started getting frustrated again. And I could see myself going and thinking, i got to do something, i got to do something. We're wasting time. And I would sense the Lord saying, no, 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 no. Just relax, big fella. I got it. And before long, you know what happened? He birthed the whole, whole thing. And if I told you how it all went down you would look and say, that's got God all over it. Look at this passage here, and I believe this will really help you with, with how the Lord deals with me. Hebrews chapter 4, I want because he'll deal the same way with you. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise or an assurance remain of entering his rest. Now note there, he says his rest. He didn't say your rest, he said his rest. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So guess what happens? When I don't enter that, that place of rest, God's rest, God's peace, and other, there comes a fear instead of that rest. And so here's what you look at. When, when there's a rest, you can understand, man, I'm on God's timing, I'm with God. 
When there's a fear of frustration, you know what? You're looking at your abilities. Verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So listen, it's one thing to hear the word of God. It's another thing to mix faith with it. So what did we find, define as faith a minute ago? I trust, I rely, and I just believe on the Word of God. So he says here to each one of us, when you hear the Word of God, just because you hear it, doesn't mean jack, okay? I must receive it. And when I receive the Word of God, woo, look at this in verse 3. For we who have believed, trusted, and relied on God do enter that rest as he has said. So the believing ones are those who enter his rest. You want a tidbit today about even the grace of God? If you're in a place where there's a rest, and what he's talking about a rest, guys, there's a peace. There's just a peace. You can understand this. You are letting God do what he's supposed to do. But any time in my life where I start finding frustration, I can always tell I'm trying to do things. Do you know the only person that can change me is Father God? The only person that can change my wife is Father God. Believe me, I've tried. God's the only one can, God's the only one can change your marriage. God's the only one that can change your kids. How many of you are staying up night, wringing your fingers and pacing, and what is going to happen to my kids? You know, all that worry and that, it's not going to do you no good. Let's let God be God. How do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Turn back to your left a couple pages to Titus. Titus chapter number 2. Titus chapter 2. Woo, where's Titus? You'll go back to Philemon and then Titus 2. You've got to see some of this here, guys. I've got two more places I'm going to take you today. And this is going to unleash the grace of God in your life. The grace that saves us is the same grace that will help us in every area of our life if we'll allow it. Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Did you hear that? What brings salvation? The grace of God. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age. Now, right there, the word for, it introduces us to the basis of proper conduct. Did you know this, that there's a close relationship with proper believing and proper conduct? Now, back to verse, verse 12. Look at that. He says, teaching us. Teaching us. In the Amplified, right there, it says, it has trained us. What's the it? What's taught us or what's trained us? Well, if you go back to verse 11, what was the topic here? He said, for grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So he's talking about grace. And so right here he says, it, the grace of God, will teach you or train you to what? To deny ungodliness. The grace of God will help us to renounce all ungodliness. The grace of God will teach us 
to how to get past worldly lust. The grace of God, it teaches to live soberly, discreet. The grace of God will help us to live righteously, godly in this present age. And there's some nuggets in this if we'll get a hold of it. How many of you have, have lived in an ungodly way in your life? Probably every one of us. How many of us have, have allowed certain lusts of the flesh to dominate us? Probably every one of us in here look and say, man, I've been dominated. Whether that's anger, whether that's cussing, whether that's some form of addiction. And so what happens usually as believers, you know what we even say then? I've got to fix myself. If I'll just do this and I'll just do that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, let grace teach you. Let grace train you. And so once again, even in the area of everyday life, you know what he's telling us? Quit thinking you can fix you. Start backing off and saying, oh, Father God, I ask you to grace me not now. I thank you that you're gracing my marriage. I thank you you're gracing my life. Keep reading here. Verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. Nothing about me, but he might redeem us from every lawless deed. That who would redeem us? Jesus would. And purify himself for his own special people, zealous for good works. Now the grace that saves me is the grace that will set me free from sin. And the grace that sets me free, guys, you know what that means? It takes me out of the equation. You want something little bitty today that will help you and remember this? It's about He, not me. It's that simple. That's what grace is talking about. Some of you have had certain addictions for 30, 40 years of your life. You've tried to fix yourself, haven't you? I've been there. But when I begin to get a hold of what the Word of God says, there comes faith, and then I say, Father God, grace me in that area. I welcome your grace. I welcome your empowering. And when you look here, what he goes on to say, ultimately, that the zealous for good works of special people, that means he's cleansed us of sin and he's commissioned us. Now, the prerequisite, guys, right here to godly living, the grace of God. The grace of God. How many of you beat yourself up every week? Because Don't raise your hand. How many of you beat yourself up every week because of certain behaviors in your life? Probably every one of us. And many times, we may have anger in our lives. And you know what we do? We say, man, i got to go to anger management. I'm not against you getting counseling, but I'm going to tell you what. The key to this, guys, is right here is just saying, Father God, grace me in that area. Grace me today, Lord. When that anger tries to rise up on me, grace me. Grace me early in the morning. When you're driving to work, what would happen if we begin to say, Father God, grace my day? And when you go to lunch, whoo, grace me the rest of the day. And when you get home and even, Father God, I welcome your grace today. Why? That grace is an empowering. That grace is there to do what we can't do for ourselves. You guys look like, I don't believe you. Look over to the book of James. Go to your right. James chapter 4. James chapter number 4. Ooh, this is going to help you right here. This will be the icing on the cake for you guys today. 
Why is it important that we understand grace, guys? Well, a lot of times when, when we go and we talk to people about Jesus, you know what a lot of times people will say? I'll go to church when I quit sinning. That's when we've got to look at them and say, God wants you to come to church right now. If you could fix yourself without God, don't you think you'd already done it? And so once again, it comes back to this with grace where we say, man, God forgives you. He loves you just how you are. Why don't you come to church and allow the potter to mold me the clay? Allow him to start working. See, too many times in our life, we've tried to fix ourselves through good works. Not going to happen. Not going to happen in any arena of humanity. As much as I want to fix myself and fix other people, I can't do it, and neither can you. Well, I'm going to fix my kids. No, you're not. Not going to happen. James 4, uh, 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? So when we read this here, guys, this right here in verse 1 is the result of trying to achieve by human effort. I try to do this and I try to do that. And if you'll notice in that, it creates frustration and it creates a conflict, guys, right there. None of us were called to do this. Keep reading, verse 2. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war... Yet you do not have because you do not ask. Did you see all in there, all the places that you, it centers around there. You've tried to done this and you've tried to done that. And then the last part of verse 2 is a revelation of grace. You know what the revelation of grace is? You have not because you ask not. So you know what this is telling me here? For me to quit trying to achieve everything out of my own abilities and just ask Father God to start moving in my life. See, too many times we want to fix everything. We want to try to figure everything out. So he said, just start asking me. Now you're going to see that's a form of grace here in just a second. Verse 3. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So in verse 2 he says, you have not because you ask not. Now here in verse 3, you know what he says? You ask me, but you don't receive because you've asked amiss. Now I believe that's three areas he's dealing with there. Number one, when you ask and you ask out of the wrong motive, he's not going to give you something that's out of the wrong motive. How do I know when I ask God for something that it's God's will? Does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line? If it lines up with the Word of God, God wants to bless you. Let me give you an example of that in my own life, guys. Colossians 1, 12, 13. He's qualified me and you to be a partaker of the inheritance in life. So that tells me Jesus has already done it. Verse number 13 of Colossians 1, it says that he's delivered me out of the power of darkness. So guess what happens? I'm able to find out right there by the word of God that he's delivered me out of the power of darkness. So I look to the power source, God, and I say, Father God, I thank you right now. That you've delivered me out of the power of darkness. 
Now, once I start asking him to move in that area and deliver me from that, it's no longer my responsibility. Too many times as human beings, you know what we try to do? We try to make it happen. We try to make it happen. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not. What would happen if we would get over and say, Father God, just bless me in this area. Grace me. Grace me. So the first thing he says, tells us, if I ask with the wrong motive. The second one, guys, is a, is a time issue. How many have you ever gotten mad at God because of a time issue? Every one of us, probably. Where we get mad and we say, Man, Father God, I need this right now. I need this right now. When I'm walking in the grace of God, there's going to be a rest. There's going to be a peace regardless of time. So you know what ultimately happens? I get this in my heart. Father God knows best. He knows the perfect time for the perfect situation. But you know what happens a lot of times? We get fidgety, just like I did when I was telling you the story. If I get fidgety on time. Now, God, do you not see? We get mad. And so when we get fidgety with time, we start trying to push the issue. The third area of that right here, and this has happened to me several times. When things don't happen like I think they should or on the timetable I, I think they should, what would happen, guys, if we had this thought? What if God had something better for me? I've had that happen in my life. Where things didn't happen when I prayed what I wanted, and, and I pushed in time, and, and all of a sudden, everything flipped around, and it was like the Lord was saying, I didn't give you that on that time because I had something better for you. That's happened to me, guys, when I've tried to buy a house before. The Lord was like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Just let me be God. So this is what he's talking about. Verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses. Now you know why that has written all over it? Unfaithful. Unfaithful, unfaithful, unfaithful. So here's what's going to come out of this when you read this. The covenant that I have with my wife, Shelly, anytime I go outside of that covenant to get the things in my life fulfilled other than through her, I've become unfaithful. Read on. Do you not know that friendship with the world is an enemy with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So what does that mean? The very covenant that I have with Father God through Jesus, anytime I try to go outside the boundaries of that covenant with Him, and I try to get help from another person, or even through myself, in God's eyes, since I've gone outside that covenant with Him, I've become now an adulterer. I've become unfaithful with Him. So you know what God's saying? Just keep looking to me. As long as you stay in this covenant with me, you're going to be blessed. Same in my marriage. As long as I stay in the confinements of what God set up in the covenant of marriage, I'm going to be blessed. Some of you look at me like a cow at a new gate. He's crazy. Keep reading. Or do you not think that the Scripture says in vain, 
The spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. But he, Father God, gives more grace. But he gives more grace. He gives more grace. The Amplified says, The grace is the power of the Holy Spirit to meet the evil tendencies within each one of us. What would? Would the grace of God would? What are the evil tendencies within each one of us? And when we get over in evil ways, when we have an unlicit affair with the world, when we've become unfaithful to God, guess what he said would happen? I'll give more grace. I'll give more grace. The Amplified says grace and more grace. Grace and more grace. Grace and more grace. So he says he gives more grace here. And God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know what the, the aroma of pride is to Father God? It's a yuck. And the reason that he feels that way toward pride is pride says, I don't need God. Pride says, I can do whatever I want to do. I know better. Pride, guys, will lead to frustration. But something happens, guys. When I humble myself. He said that he, he gives grace to the humble. What happens to a person that's humble? Is they bow and say, Father God, I need you. I can't do this in my own abilities. And when that starts happening, you know what he does? He starts shoveling grace on you. And when we go to him in prayer and say... Father God, I'm asking you to move in my life. You know what he does? He scoops more grace on you. And he scoops more grace on you right in the very midst of my problems. But when I stick my nose up in the air and I start acting like I don't need God or I'm strong enough to do it on my own, God said, I resist the proud. The only place in the Bible that you'll find that God resists people is right here. God does not resist the sinner. He doesn't resist the adulterer, the thief. He doesn't resist the liar. But He does re re resist the proud. And so when you look at all this, guys, the Lord's saying, just let me grace you. Just call out to me. And the things in your life that have become issues... Quit trying to figure them out. Whether that's with your children, whether that's in your marriage, whether that's in your daily life. Father God, grace us. I welcome your grace today. I welcome your grace in my marriage. I welcome your grace in my kids' life. I welcome your grace. And so ultimately, guess what happens? They'll become a rest on me. And to this very day, when I allow Father God's grace to start working in my life, there's a rest. There's a peace. But a red flag goes up when there starts becoming frustration. When there becomes conflict. And you know what that red flag says? You've gotten outside of the covenant again. You're trying to fix everything would happen if we would just begin to say, Father God, grace me. Grace me today. See, I've been ordained by Father God and I've been accomplished by Jesus. 
And so when we look at all this, guys, I've just got to begin to say, grace me, Father. Grace me. And when I begin to understand grace and I live in grace, I can go with the message of grace. I can get around the center and realize, you know what, I can't fix them. I don't want to fix them. But I can say this. God will save you by grace. God loves you. Even when you weren't lovable. God wants to help you. God is still the God that will take a mess and make a miracle. God's grace is sufficient. But not only does it apply for salvation, it applies in every area of your life. And so guess what? I get to walk out right now. This grace. This grace. And I have the tendencies, guys, to get upset in certain areas of my life. And instead of going ahead and spouting off, Father God, grace me. How many got a problem with your tongue? You speak before you think. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> what would happen in the days when we started saying, Father God, grace me. Grace my tongue. Grace me in this area. You know, when I speak on these things, God's really, really, really dealing with my heart. It's not something that I don't have to practice to do. I've got a new neighbor that lives catty corner to me. And this guy, he, he doesn't think he knows who I am, but I know directly who he is. And about three or four years ago, he lived about two blocks down from me, and there was an issue that happened there. And he, he mouthed off to me. He popped off to me, and he threatened me. And the night he threatened me, I had a suit and a tie on. Now, you guys got to understand this about me. I'm just like you. I have a previous life, and I have a previous flesh. And when this guy mouthed off to me, my wife knew immediately, oh, no. Oh, no. That this is going to kick him into some place that's not good. Remember, guys, in my past, I grew up in a neighborhood. I don't care how big you are. If you pop off, it's on. Where even if this guy's got to pick up a rake or a bat, I'll pick up a rake or a bat. I used to. I'm going to be careful here. I get wound up again. So I looked at this guy, and I realized who he is, but he doesn't realize who I am. And so I went marching back in the door, and I said to Shelly, I said, guess who our new neighbor is? And she said, who? Because she was wanting to take him cookies. Oh, no, we're not taking them cookies. <laughs> so don't look at me like that. You guys act like you guys are so holy. <laughs> and the Lord started dealing with my heart strong. And he said, you've got to let that. That was four years ago. But I didn't forget. And so I go outside yesterday, and they're out there. And I could sense and the thought was, I don't need a baseball bat to whip him. And this, you know, this is kind of how I And the Lord said, you need help. You need help. And I said, I do, Lord. I don't want to act that way. I don't want to be that way. And once again, it was like, let me grace you in that area. It's not going to help you going in there and taking some aspirins and putting an ice pack on your head and calming you down, cooling you off. Begin to ask me for grace in these areas. And I said, Father God... I need an abundance of grace. 
I need more and more. I don't need a scoop of grace. I need a backhoe full of grace. And so once again, when I begin to say, Father God, grace me in that area. Grace me there. Once again, what am I telling? I can't fix me in even that area. I mean, even Shelly can say, you can't, you can't do that. You can't be. Well, she's right, but she can't fix me either. And so something's got to start happening within us, no matter what's going on in your life right now. Father God, you've got to grace me. I welcome your grace. The next time you have an opportunity to explode at work, Father God, grace me, grace. You said you give more grace to the humble. I'm being humble. I need you right now, Lord. I'm going to explode on them. You see how grace works here. This is what he wants to do in every area of our lives. Not just salvation. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.